Speaking about really beautiful, I think the last thing you were going to talk about is my singing. Were you not, Robert? Sure. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Good, Robert. It's a beautiful night. The light is still shining, even though it's 7.30 in the evening, and it's going to be still shining when we finish this podcast. And we've got our photos up on the Facebook page. Is that correct? Our beautiful mugs are there for everybody to see, finally, after year and a half almost after a year and a half almost we finally got a picture of the two of us taken together and it was more kind of just on a lark to get that picture taken because we both showed up to work this the one day dressed kind of the same kind of the same exactly you had a nice looking hairdo uh, just a fresh cut going and uh you look much older than me in the photo of course but uh i think your mom put a nice shout out to your mom for the nice little comment she left too that was nice Thanks, mom. Yeah, mom, yeah, yeah. Moms are good, but we're we're now into the month of June, so the month of moms is over. That's right, uh, and we're we're into the the month of time is flying, Robert. Time is flying. Yeah, uh, tempest fugit, uh, memento mori. You know, time That's is right. flying. That's Remember right. your your death. Right, right. Pentecost uh, Sunday is almost upon us, isn't it? That's right. That's right. No, I was seeing you know, time is flying, and remember your death. I always, you know, say to people, mm. YOLO. You only live once, but just. Uh, Choose your destination wisely. Yeah, absolutely, right? absolutely. From that, so no, it's a, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and you had a nice cardigan on in that that picture. I'd have um, a nice cardigan if I get Mister Rogers one more time at work. I don't know what it is if it's the patches or just the cardigan, but I could see why Mister Rogers wore, wore those cardigans. They're also comfortable. A little bit warm now for a cardigan, but they were good for the winter. That's for sure. Oh, exactly. I one thing I always think there was that Mister Rogers movie that was out. Uh, Tom Hanks was playing. Mr. I did. Rogers. I saw, yeah, I just saw and, that about a year uh, ago. Yeah, and. I swear that you are a dead ringer for Tom Hanks as Mr. Rogers. Thank you so So. much. Yes. Uh, What a great movie too. I enjoyed that movie. You you know what? I loved that movie. uh, And I think both you and I can relate. Uh, Like I was in tears at that movie. I don't, I know I'm a bit of a a softy anyways, but I was in tears at in that movie uh, just because having gone through a lot of the, the palliative stuff with my own father, with my own dad. And I, and I think I know, I know you can relate a little bit to that as well. Uh, And it's not easy, but they showed it so well in that movie. They did. And and what a good human being and what a faith filled human being, Mr. Rogers too, which I hadn't realized until I actually did see the movie and read more about Mr. Rogers. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So anyways, enough about you, Dennis. Exactly. And, uh, you know, as we we ramble on, I said to someone uh, earlier this week when I was talking with him, I was sorry I ramble so much. And his comment was, no, you're not too, too bad. And this is someone in the the media that said, you know, I'm not the worst rambler he's ever heard. Well, he must have had a lot of ramblers on his podcast, Robert. So, though... With all that rambling, my mouth does get dry, so I'd like to introduce my beer so that yep. we can get going. Now, I have to fess up a little bit here, Dennis. 
What? I'm, Don't I'm, tell me it's an IPA. No, it is not an IPA. <laughs> That's good because it's hard. To, first thing we're going to talk about doesn't shine too highly it's on a slag our in IPAs. The IPAs. Yes. Yeah. No, it's not an IPA. But I am going to break kind of a, an unwritten rule oh, here no. on the Pints and Pews podcast. But I, I, I feel I have good reason to do Don't that. Don't tell me. Uh, so, kind of one of our unwritten rules is that we we try to spread our beers out across different breweries. Right. Right. And we don't want to repeat a beer in the same calendar year. Right. Correct. That's kind Although of, Although I've probably done it. You've been pretty good spreading years around much more than myself, but yep. So tonight I'm actually going to repeat a beer that I had on the show about five or six episodes ago. Wow. That's pretty uh, recent. So it, it is very recent, but like I said, in my mind, I, I feel I, ha- I have just cause here. Okay. Uh, so I am going to be having the derailleur Belgian Trappist style double from the Second Wedge Brewery in Uxbridge. Okay. And let me explain why I- I'm repeating this beer, especially so quickly. Yeah, let, uh, hold it up again. I want to see it. I so the, the derailleur, the and then once I, I pour it, and I'll. Okay, yep, yep, yep. I don't know if you remember the. The label. I do. Derail your, like, kind of the um, for shifting the bike gears and cycling. I thought you meant for like our show getting derailed sometimes as we ramble on and on, but go on. We were derailed on this show five seconds in. (laughs) Back in March 2021. We kind of got derailed at Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. Welcome to the Pints. (laughs) I'm your. I'm your co-host. What's what's my name again? So, no, uh, the reason why I picked this beer, the Derail Your Belgian Style Double out of the Second Wedge Brewery in Oxbridge. Uh, many folks across Canada would have heard about the, the storm that ripped through south-central Ontario a couple of weeks ago on the mm-hmm. on the, the May 2-4 long weekend, on the Victoria right. Day long weekend. Um, and actually, there was a, t- a tornado touched down in Oxbridge. And Oxbridge is the next village over from mine. Oxbridge mm-hmm. is about 15 kilometers away, so... Uh, for those that are not on the metric system, it's about 10 miles to the west of, of here. Um, Let's say about 30, 40 miles northeast of Toronto to give people, a, a listeners, a kind of a better indication of where exactly in relation to Toronto, because most people have heard of Toronto. Yeah. I, I thought Port Perry was the center of the universe. That's right. Of course. <laughs> it is. It's a beautiful little town if you ever get a chance to go visit. But go on. So anyways, the, the, uh, a tornado of, and I believe the what they say for the the force of the tornado is like an ef2 so it was, it was an a, f2 yeah i think a, so an f2 tornado touchdown in uxbridge it absolutely ripped the brewery apart oh wow uh, i read a story online and some of the stuff as it was unfolding out of out of uxbridge um a young family was there so that it was the husband that was sharing the story that he was there with his wife and their seven-month-old baby and kind of the Storm warning came through, and then everyone's cell phone started giving the storm warning, and they looked outside, mm-hmm. and they could see the skies just turning this weird shade of green. And he said the next thing you knew, the windows were being blown in, and they're, they're, he's huddled over his wife and child, protecting them from all of the all of the debris that was flying around. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Uh, I saw another picture from Uxbridge as well. I mean, and there was huge amounts of damage. We'll pray for them. And there was uh, huge amounts of damage uh, through the Ottawa Valley and into Quebec. And I believe 11 or 12 people were killed. 
uh, because of the storm. So we, in we total, pray, yeah. We yeah. pray for the repose of their souls. Absolutely. Um, but another picture that my my mom, who we've already mentioned, uh, shared with me, someone that she knows was at a baptism that morning in Uxbridge at the Anglican church. And they have a picture of the dad and the baby uh, at the baptism ceremony in the church. And beside it, they have a picture from three hours later where the only thing left of the church is pretty much the back wall. The roof was gone. Oh, wow. That's right. powerful. So just the, the devastation. So pray for our, all of those that were affected by that. I wanted to highlight the the Second Wedge Brewery as well because fantastic beers. Yeah. This derailleur, I know I've already had thoroughly enjoyed Yeah, I've that. heard good things about it. I know you see a lot of signs up and I've I I know a lot of people who've purchased their beers, but I don't think I, I I might have had one. I'm not too sure, but it is a popular brewery. So hopefully they're up and running soon, Robert. Yeah. So I know you can get their product at the LCBO here in Ontario. Right. I did put up on the Facebook page that they were at the Uxbridge Farmers Market last week. Uh, selling what they were able to salvage from the brewery. Right. Um, so if you can get your hands on some of their beer, um, I do strongly encourage you to do so to to help help them out. get them back on their feet so that they're producing great beer again. Yeah, good. Right. Good idea. And then good the point. other the other reason why I picked the beer because it, it is a lead into our our first topic of discussion. Once we finally get there, because Robert rambles mm-hmm. so much, uh, it is a Belgian-style double, is a Trappist-style double, and we are going to be talking about uh, highlighting the Trappist Monastery in Spencer, Massachusetts. And, won't and say too I, much. <laughs> yeah, and, and I won't say too much on that, but uh, yeah, we're going to talk about, we're gonna talk uh, about that, that style beer as well. So that's, that's why that's topic. why I picked the beer. That's why I broke the unwritten rule right. of of repeating a beer so soon. Right. Yeah. No, so I'm going to open choice. up and then you can uh, let us know what you're drinking there, sir. What have you got uh, on the go? I've got life in the clouds. Yeah. Your head is in the clouds, buddy. Um, sorry. What'd you say again? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, don't you love the. Uh, I'm, I'm, like I'm trying pink? to pour without making a mess here and you're, you're showing me the can. It's, uh, you know, very artistic. Isn't that beautiful? Now, I don't know. Now, this is I'm borrowing from you here, Robert, because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of IPAs, but I decided, I think I got, might've got this from, for my birthday actually, or, um, and it's, it says it's a collective arts brewing limited out of Hamilton, Ontario, which of course, most people knows between Toronto and Buffalo. And, and one of, one of our most recent guests, Dr. Josephine Lombardi. Of course. Yes. Hamilton. Yes. I'm dying to taste this 6.1% strong beer. It says on it. Well, strong in the North American sense, I wouldn't say strong in a European sense, but you can already see it coming out. It's got that IPA kind of. So it is like a hazy IPA. Definitely a hazy coming out of there for sure. Have you tasted yours or we can't taste? No, we can't taste until Grace Before Beer. And we were going to do rock, paper, scissors on Grace Before Beer. Yeah, no, no, you can do it. I did it last time. That's fine. But but I thought the the deal was that... um, I'll do grace before beer when we have a guest, unless it's okay, perfect. Uh, an ordained so minister. And I, thought we're on just, our own. I thought you were just. I thought you were just going to let me do it once a year. You're being so generous, magnanimous in your old age. Okay, you know, either that or a little bit senile. senile. One, one, yeah. one, one or the, the other. One or the other. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer which Thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race and grant through the invocation of thy holy name 
that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, it's a beautiful prayer. Wow. Cheer. Oh, Cheers. what a nice color. I love the color. Yes, of and yours. I like the color of yours too. With an IPA, you smell it before you taste it, don't you? It just, yep. it almost overpowers your it, olfactory It does have its, senses. yeah, your olfactory senses, yes. Well, I'm not, I'm going to taste this. And then now you're going to, we're going to play a little different here. You're going to tell me what I'm tasting. Robert, how's that? I'm going to tell you good, what you're, you're tasting. You're good with the IPAs. Oh, but each IPA is different too. Like, well, I, this I sounds like some... this tastes like this sounds like this tastes like a classic IPA. So okay, so it's got a bit of a citrus taste to it. Yeah, a little bit of a citrusy sour. It's oh, it's got that sour. It's got bittery, like a, which... it makes your makes your mouth pucker almost like a dill pickle. Yeah, which attracts so many IPA lovers, and I I still can't get my head around that one. Yep, uh, citrusy um... bitter. Hoppy, the IPAs are always hoppy. hoppy. Yeah. That's what gives it that bitter. Um, yeah, I don't know how accomplished my, my my palate is, but yeah, usually it's citrus and, and sour. Just that, yeah, that, that mouth. That's a that's sour. a true IPA, citrusy, soury. One that I I will enjoy, but I don't think I would go out and buy a six pack. Yeah, on a hot summer's day. Yeah, I could see that. I could right. see that out the deck. Uh, me enjoying that maybe in you know a couple weeks time or if it gets back to what it did last week yeah. and yourself, your taste. Where the, the, the Belgian double, the Trappist style double, yes. they are generally a, a heavier beer, uh, fruity as well, slightly fruity, mm. but more like a stone fruit. Yeah. And uh, never I'm, a, never a bittery. Yours is never a no. bitter, soury taste. It's a dark, it kind of sits there. It kind of, if it's almost like a, I don't want to say a meal, but you can, it's a heavier kind of. Some of them can be like a meal. Yeah. Guaranteed. Some of them can be like a meal. Right. Uh, when I say like a stone fruit, it's not like a cherry, like a creek. I would say almost plum. Plum. Plum like. Plum like okay. a, but but uh, the, the, the darker, richer plum. Right. Is more what I, I'm which, going to which, say. Which leads us into our first little topic of conversation, Robert. That to me is attractive. That sounds attractive. It's certainly a taste that I enjoy. And yet, as you're going to point out shortly, you know, the one Trappist brewery that was brewing these types of beer has ceased operations. So maybe you'd like to explain to our listeners about that. Yeah. So, and it's not the only Trappist brewery that's out there, it's the only Trappist brewery. Uh, in North America. In North America, yeah. Right. Uh, at the Spencer Abbey in Spencer, Massachusetts. Massachusetts, yep. Right. And uh, they've decided that it was no longer profitable in their market to be mm-hmm. brewing beer. The you know, the bottom line just wasn't doing it, it wasn't for them there. because uh, the whole idea, because we spoke about the Spencer Brewery not too long ago. We did. We did. And we were going to take a road trip, were we not? We were thinking about a road no, trip. I mean, the Abbey is still there. Right. And we could still yeah. take a road trip to see. the Abbey. Of course. Uh, but the, they're not brewing beers anymore. No. 
right? just because it wasn't profitable. Uh, and in the and same, do you want to explain why it, it wasn't profitable, Robert? Because you're partial. I say you're partially to blame. You, My you listeners are going to think you're why probably are you saying, saying I'm that? all to blame. I won't say you're all to blame, but you are. You are partial. You are. You know. You had a hand in the the demise of the Spencer, an indirect hand in the demise of the St. Joseph Abbey and Spencer Mass. Explain why. Yeah. Well. Um, Number portion, one, we couldn't get any of their beer up here in Canada. Oh, I know. Uh, and that's partly to blame is that it wasn't heavily marketed. Now, I know you're pointing the blame at me because this article that we've gotten from America Magazine um, and the, the title of the article, the only Trappist brewery in the United States is closing and mm. IPAs are to blame. IPAs, the dreaded yeah. IPAs, which I'm drinking now. It's I kind of ironic. I'm drinking and you're not. And yet most episodes, I would say over half the episodes we've had so far, you've had an IPA, correct? In the summertime. Yeah. But in, in general, I would say, yeah, because we've we've done, well, no, uh, we're on a No, because no, if I float back yeah, maybe through, in, in, it, through the winter months, right. I don't generally drink an IPA. No. Uh, I did have, and I was going to have it on the show just to bug you the one time, uh, I'm it was called a black IPA. Okay. Um, so it was a dark stout looking beer, but it was an IPA. So, so wasn't one of my favorites and, uh, I never got around to having it on the show. Nice. Um, so through the winter months, no, I prefer a stout or a okay. porter or a triple, yep. but in the summer months, yes, IPA. Right. And in the article itself, uh, and as well, I, I think, had checked in at the the Catholic Beer Drinkers Facebook page. Right. <laughs> you got to repeat that one more time. The Catholic Beer Drinkers <laughs> Facebook page. And no, and, and why am I not on social media? Go on. But shout out to those guys because I think there's a number of them who are actually listening to the podcast. So, Excellent. So shout out yeah, to shout those out guys to them there. for sure. But a lot of the I, I threw the article. I, I found the article on that facebook mm -hmm. page and then i i put it back out to the the group kind of asking for comments and you know there was a lot of ip ipa slamming going on oh okay right? interesting now that pe people just don't i think ipa is like one of those beers either you love it like love it. i do or yeah. you hate, you hate it. it like you i wouldn't say hate's a strong word robert <laughs> you know what as i sip more of this ipa i I'm getting used to it. I'll say that, but I don't think I'd go out. Now I want to talk about the difference between the two, because if anybody, I mean, you lived a little while in Belgium when you were younger, you love the Belgium, uh, the Trappist style beers. You do love your IPAs. Could you see this shift? Do you really, is it a younger demographic that's drinking the IPAs? Is it, why has, like, if you put two of those in front of me, Robert, I'm going for the Belgium style Trappist beer. And it seems that most people are gravitating towards the IPA. The question is why? I think you hit one reason on there when you talked about, is it an age thing? And I have to wonder if, if part of it is an age thing mm -hmm. where it's hip to drink the IPA now. Right. Right. Uh, Part of me, and as I was getting ready, I was out walking the dog uh, and mulling over things uh, before we started recording. Part of me wonders if it's a cultural thing, which you can bring mm. the age into that too, because um, an age demographic can also be a cultural demographic in, in and of itself, mm -hmm. right? I mean, as we are uh, 
approaching our mid fifties, some mm-hmm. faster than others. Uh, when we look back on some of our coworkers, or we look back to to you know others, uh, there is an age cultural demographic. Yep, that goes yep, on for sure. And this isn't the place to delve into that. No, but I think also just culturally between Europe and North America, mm-hmm. uh, the palates are different. Right, and I re- I remember when I was living in Belgium, there was an article in one of the local newspapers, uh, and the title of the article was "Les étrangers préfèrent nos blondes," so foreigners prefer our blondes. Hmm. And, I, and I think the copywriter who was writing that knew exactly the angle he yeah, was going yeah. for, uh, but it was in reference to the beers. Right. And when you read the article, what it says that when Americans, the American tourists mm-hmm. are visiting in Europe, they prefer the lighter beers because they have grown up on a staple of Molson and Labatt mm-hmm. up here in mm-hmm. Canada or right. Coors and Michelob or, or what have you down in the right. States. Yeah. So let's touch upon that for a second, because you hit upon a key aspect there, Robert, is that obviously the tourism industry was a big factor and is still a big factor in a lot of these Belgium, Dutch, you know, Austrian types, Trappist Monastery still brewing. The marketing, as you mentioned, is huge. And the fact that they've given it over pretty well to lay people to do, whereas Trappist Monastery was still being brewed by monks, and they don't have the they they don't do all that marketing. They don't do all that. There's not that all big business behind it, is there? And I was very surprised when you sent that article too. Is that I thought a lot of these Belgium style Trappist breweries were uninterrupted for centuries, but really it's taken. It's just over the last century that they've really started to, you know, formalize this business and make it big business. But they do cater. They you know they have bars inside these Trappists, Do they not? They have yeah. like restaurants type type thing. Yeah. So they, they really and again, catered. And again, that's a, a cultural aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, the the European giants of the Trappist brewing worlds, so your Orval uh, and your Chimay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe it was the Orval, Abby, it mentions in the, the article uh, that they brewed 100,000 barrels a year. That's right, 100,000. Where the monks at Spencer weren't even meeting their ten thousand barrel, they couldn't get to ten thousand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's and, a problem right there, right? And, yeah. and one of the things you were talking about there, and, and part of it's cultural, in, in that in the monastic culture, mm-hmm. uh, there was a great line from uh, the, one of the monks at the Spencer Abbey, right at St Joseph's mm-hmm. Abbey in Spencer, mm-hmm. Massachusetts. We wanted to be a monastic business with monastic labor. So they, they didn't want to be big business where no, they didn't want to be big the business. big names that you know of and that you can find everywhere in the, the Trappist brewing industry, they're really run by lay people. They just they're, have the, the Trappist name and a little bit of oversight. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I like the point they make too, in the end, it defined them. It defined them as men of prayer, not profit. And that's that speaks highly of the Spencer Abbey brewing business, right? They, they weren't, it wasn't profit above all, was it? Yeah. And again, and coming back to the Catholic Beer Drinkers Facebook page, mm-hmm. there were a number of comments to that effect of saying that just because you're monks doesn't mean you shouldn't have a business plan. 
Right. 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 And, and now what is their business plan going forward? Did they mention that at all? Their prayerful discernment as to where to, to turn in um, and as to what kind of product to use yeah. because they, they do need to support themselves. They do need to support themselves. Yeah. Right. And one of the things that mentioned too, is that a lot of these men, they're not getting any younger and there's not a whole lot of new vocations to the monastic brotherhood. Right. Right. It's not like Thomas Merton in the, you know, fifties and sixties coming through, right. There's not a lot of, not, not a lot of men. As yeah. many men coming through. And, and so the, the more labor-intensive endeavors, which brewing would be, uh, gets yes. more and more difficult. So, yeah, they, they are praying and discerning as to to new direction. They are renting out some of the monastic grounds for solar panels. Mm-hmm. So, again, saw that. One, once the installation happens, it's not really labor-intensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the other one that caught my eye was that they want to create an organic cemetery right i saw that right yes no embalming just straight into the ground and yeah. no embalming no metal caskets nothing so yeah so that, that's interesting yeah. i know of and i've seen advertisements for both in canada and the united states um a trappist monastery that's right i've seen those ones for, for the caskets for the caskets yeah and they look so beautiful don't they plain and simple what type of wood mm-hmm. are they using there? But yeah, out of uh, is it Indiana or something like that over? Yeah, and I, and I believe there's one also up here in Canada. Oh, okay, um, so yeah, they have to to find a, a viable solution to all of to all of this, and hopefully they will. I'm sure they will. Yeah. We have we have kind of an eclectic evening planned out tonight, an eclectic episode. But yeah, going from one vocation to another, from the brotherhood to the fatherhood, or from from monks to priests, right? Um, also, came across another fantastic article. A great article, Robert. Yes, yeah. it was very interesting and read. This one came out of the Adoramus Bulletin, which is edited by, again, another former guest of ours, Christopher Carstens, who's one of the liturgy guys. The liturgy uh, guys, great guys. Yeah, we, we had on just before Christmas of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still love listening to their podcast. Uh, they're making their way through the Mass and explaining the Mass. Um, but this was a different sacrament this was an, another sacrament that was mentioned here was not the eucharist but confession the quote that kind of jumped out at me from looking at this as to how priests train for confession in this article uh, while the first time penitent may be nervous the anxiety level of the priest hearing his first confession is certainly much higher mm-hmm. yeah which strikes me as incredible but i don't even know if i you know i can't even imagine you know, being that first, that priest's first confession, like, I, I I don't know if I've ever been to a new priest, Robert, like a really new priest. I don't think I have. I mean, no. pretty close, maybe a few months in with our priest at our church, but not a brand new priest. But you're right. It must be, I mean, sometimes we're very nervous going into confession, but imagine the first priest hearing his first confession. Well, and that just, I'm, I'm starting to smile here because that's kind of making me think, you know how after the ordination ceremony. So a newly ordained priest, everyone lines up 
to get his first priestly blessing. Right. Kind of while the oil is still wet on his palms and they want to get the blessing and then, and then kiss his palms. My next question is, are, are these same people then lining up to be his first penitents? Hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and you would wonder, and so again, this is just kind of making me chuckle, you know, if I was the one, the new, the newly ordained priest, really probably the first person I'm giving my first blessing to is my mom. Mm-hmm. And then probably my dad. For sure. Right. Your parents. Yep. Do you want your mom and dad to be the first penitents to come in your confessional? Probably not. Probably Do you not. You want them ever in your confessional. Right. <laughs> right? Probably not. <laughs> no, no. It's awkward enough going into confession as the penitent. And I find it's awkward enough too going into confession where you kind of do know the priest. Yeah. Uh, very blessed today. Um, I've been meaning to get to confession now for a few weeks uh, and took advantage today that Father Laszlo was uh, in at our school today mm-hmm. hearing confessions. So uh, I kind of went and elbowed my way into the line. I may try mm-hmm. make that part of my. Which my you rarely, do, rarely don't do. I don't know. I can't remember the last time you went to confession at at school, Robert. It's not something you usually take advantage of. I know you usually mostly go at your church. Yeah. Um, but it was a question of timing. But again, yeah. going into the, the office to say my confession, it's obviously it's not a confessional, so there's no right. screen. And right. Father's sitting there in a chair, and there's a, a chair beside. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't, I can't make eye contact. No, no. Right. No, I, I, I don't, I don't with, confession with father laszlo yeah it's usually a pretty good confession now i was surprised at how how much goes into the actual confession training robert i think you they mentioned the article about a, an actual course something about mock confessions which quite surprised me a practicum i think they mentioned as well yeah um though do you want to be the one going to confession when it's the practicum so it's you know <laughs> not 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 real absolution right now um, would be hard to train for wouldn't it like yeah. I, so like you said there from reading the article mm-hmm. uh written by father stopel uh there's a, a at least a year and i, I forget which yep. year that this this goes on i think but it's the, the final year did they mention that? i thought it said the final year like yeah. closer to the ordination uh, clo- closer to the end so they take a, a variety of moral theology theology they take a variety of moral theolo- theology theologians yep they take a variety of moral theology courses theology. and where professors will try to throw in you know, some concrete examples. So right. it's not just one course on moral theology, but, but a series of them over the course of a, a year or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, and this kind of surprised me, they get a year's worth of canon law, mm-hmm. right? And the example it gives for that, and I'm sure there, it goes way beyond this, why they have to take canon law. And this kind of actually made sense. Yes, but they, this was, they, yep, go ahead. They, they need to know which sins there are. they have the faculty to forgive. I had no idea. That was very interesting to read, that there's some sins that they have to just kind of push upstairs towards the bishop, that they can't they can't go there. Very interesting. Which ones were they, those again? Robert? Yeah, no, and it was something that I was kind of rambling in the back of my mind. My, you know, something that's extremely grave matter. Like heresy um, or something like that. Heresy, right? um, murder. Right. Um, crimes against the Eucharist. Right. 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 If 
you were to say, go into confession and, and confess that, you know, I took the Eucharist home with me. Right. Um, that has to go to the bishop. Yeah, that was really interesting. And I thought it was good. Uh, so they mentioned one point too, like what you have to know the different scenarios. Like what happens if somebody who works for the church, they mentioned is embezzling funds. Like what, what do you do? I mean, you have that seal of the confessional yet you're having a church employee talk to you about stealing some of the funds. What, what do you do in that respect? So there's a lot that goes into, you know, learning how to yeah. do your proper confession and what to do in yeah. circumstances. Now I, I'm sure stuff like that is very few and far between. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, one thing I was interested to read too, there are some since actually only the Pope can for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the one in case in mind and, uh, everyone can envision this as we say it is an attack on the Pope. And mm-hmm. when you read that comes to mind of St. John Paul, II that's right. Giving pardon and forgiving uh, his assailant. Right. Right. And there's mm-hmm. that picture of them in the jail cell. That's right. Metma Ali Aga. I think it was back in, was it 1981? I think Robert. Yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah. May and- 13th. Right. That much I know it was That's the feast right. of Our Lady of Fatima. That much yeah. I remember. I think in 1981. And, he, and and you say the jail yourself because him giving that forgiveness, you know, within a couple of years of actually being shot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that I found that fascinating mm-hmm. as well. Um, though again, I don't think that is part of the the normal repertoire of what priests hear from no. a penitent. And some ways you must wonder, does it kind of get born? Do they hear the same thing over and over and over wonder, again? Right? Like the little old ladies coming to confession. But the article does mention as well, Robert, you know, how to balance things as they're hearing. You know, they've got a long line in confession to give each person their due, what to say, you know, what what would uh, obviously in persona Christi, they're act, they're acting in Christ's, uh, you know, person there. But what do they say? You know, what were the right words for that particular person? You know, and they've got a couple mm-hmm. of good models, as they point out in the article, to follow some of the, you know, two of the greatest confessors. St. Jean Vianney, who's uh, one of my heroes and one of my favorites. I had the honor of being able to make a pilgrimage to Aus and to. Uh, oh, wow. I'm not, not, I didn't have the honor of he- him hearing my confession. I no, mean, I'm old, but old. I'm not that old. Yeah. Right. What a great parish priest, but go on. I didn't know you had gone to Aus. Yeah. It, and it's one of those two. And just uh, as I ramble, as, as I always do, funny story. Mm-hmm. Um, Ellie and I were heading to Europe one time and we we're going to go visit uh, our friends that live just north of Lyon. And because they always say, you know, what are some things that you would like to do? And then we were talking to people and someone says, you have to go to Ars to, for Saint-Jean-Vienne. And so I looked it up on the internet. I'm going, that's only 10 kilometers away oh, from my friend's place. Beautiful. And they never done the men, the 10 times or so that I've been to visit. We'd never gone to, see, to, mm-hmm. to visit there. Uh, and actually, and it's funny when we went, we said, yeah, we'd like to go here. My friend who's our age, she says, oh yeah, I'd like to come too. I've never been. So she's grown up in this Isn't area. Isn't always the case, eh? But so how do you spell not, not that, a religious Robert? family. Ours. No. Yeah, because the way you're saying it is such a French accent, but it doesn't, you know, I'm just trying to envision the spelling of that. Ours. Ours. And there you go. That's better for our listeners. A-R-S. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, and what's that like when you get there? Is it like... It's almost a little bit... Like, I mean, the, the church is still there. His house is still there. Uh, it's just a small little village. 
very nondescript, very typical for the area. Um, very typical yeah, for him. Vi- visiting his house, it's kind of like visiting Pioneer Village because they okay. kept it like from the time he was there. Very cool. And you can visit the church, uh, and his body is there right. and corrupt. Uh, wow. There's a, there's a little souvenir store, um, a couple of cafes. I, there's not a whole lot there. There is outside of the town, uh, again, a retreat center for priests. Okay. Of course, right? Patron saint of Paris priests, I believe. Yeah. And how far would this be now from, let's say, Paris? From Paris, uh, it's easier for me to tell you from Lyon. Uh, from Lyon, you're maybe 45 minutes north. So from Paris, if you're driving... Only because I've been to Paris, but not Lyon. Oh, it's been so long since I did it. Let's go with five hours. So it's okay, so it's a long time. Yeah, the same distance Toronto to Montreal. Okay, okay, yep. Give give or take, uh, with lots of great things to see in between. Of course, yeah. And the second model to follow, one of my favorites and your favorites too, Padre Pio. I was gonna say, don't you have his picture on the back of your? I do. My Saint Padre Pio protect us, right? A great saint devotion that my aunt in Ireland had. You know, stigmata Mm -hmm. by location. A very humble man, and 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 took a lot of criticism during his life, and a, really a contempt. Like, didn't die that long ago, Robert. Right? I think he died the year one of us was born, and I don't think it was you. Mm-hmm. Um, he lived throughout the uh, and built a hospital. Great, great saint, great holy man, Saint Padre Peel. Just became yep. a saint one within the last in the 10, last few years. years. Yeah. yeah, and uh, again, kind of coming back what you mentioned before, as far as you know. Wanting to be, and as they put it in the article, wanting to be Jesus in the box, wanting to show mercy to the penitent, uh, to say the right words, you know, to hear confession as the, the way that they would want their own confession to be heard. Both Saint Jean Vianney and Saint Padre Pio, uh, right. huge lineups. I was going to say, didn't uh, they come penitents. from all over for these two priests to hear to have their confessions heard? They had to build a rail line for for Saint Jean Vianney. <laughs> Right, and That's so, like you say, from all and, and like they, they could have been twenty four seven in the in the confessional, and again, just from reading excerpts from that, mm-hmm. uh, mercy and compassion, beautiful man, right? beautiful man. Um, wow. You know, I think a, in my mind, a, a scary attribute that they had, they were able to read the penitent's heart. So they That's kind of right. knew the sins before they were even said. That's right. I, I don't know if I would want that. Yes. And they would say you're forgetting something or you, you, you know, is there anything else kind of thing? Yeah. I don't don't know if I would want to have that ability. I don't know if I would want to be near anyone who has that ability. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's quite the, uh, that's quite the gift. If you can call it a gift. Exactly. But yeah, so pray, pray for our priests because Mm -hmm. that has to be such a humbling experience Mm -hmm. To be, like I said, as it says in the article, to be Jesus in the box. Right. To to be the one that the penitents are coming to. Right. Uh, so you know, pray for our priests for that. And we've been to, you know, we've had our confessions heard many times, Robert, and we could probably count on a hand, you know, how many, you know, not great confessions we've, we, we you know, you, could, you talk about the humility of the priest, but for the most part, all my confessions, you know, that priest at that time has said the right words to me. I don't know. And you could probably speak to, say, to the same thing. In my mind, if I'm not in tears at the words of absolution, it's not been a good confession. Mm. Wow. Right? And, and they are truly are tears of joy. 
but yes, no, there, there are better confessors than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been to one confessor and we used to go there on a regular basis because we were very good friends with our pastor mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he would come over for dinner once a month and, you know, we'd have a few glasses of wine. And, and so I just wasn't at ease going to a good friend for, for confession. So mm-hmm. we would go to the next parish over and without word of a lie, it was almost from rote. The exact same thing was said each and every time. Hmm. And it, and it was without life. It was dry. It was listless. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been so long since we were there. I wouldn't be able to repeat the words, but it was. um, uh, So why didn't you go to the next town over and try that guy instead of going back to that or go to the guy in front of you who you're having wine with and say, father, actually that was one thing we forgot to mention. Robert, they do pray for the, the uh, you know, the ability to forget the confession as well, which I thought was very cool. The priests have that, you know, say that yeah. in the prayer, forget the confession. I thought that's very cool because they don't want to know the confession. They don't want to identify that confession with that particular person. So that well, was a really and, nice part of the article too. And, and the pastor that I wouldn't go to, who was my friend, he would right. always say from the pulpit in his homily when he was encouraging people to come to confession. And he would always say, don't forget, my name is Father Forget. And it truly was. That's good. <laughs> it was that's tr- good. Tr- truly was his yeah, last was. name. Yeah, that was his last name. But the, uh, that's the funny thing. So even though you weren't getting a great confession, it was listless. You didn't. You still thought you were too close to well, that particular priest. Eh? Part part of part of it as well. And I'll make my confession here now to you. Um, part of it You're was not getting absolution, but go on. No, but part of it was um, I had not gone to confession anywhere between twenty and thirty years. Mm-hmm. At one point in my life, okay. like from from early mid teenage years, I would let's say early teenage years, uh, I went once just before we got married, and then it was probably another ten years or so into our marriage, mm-hmm. and so I was just starting to go back to confession Listen, on a regular yep. basis, and so going in and hearing the same listless, lifeless, mm-hmm. non judgmental. In a lot of ways, it was comfortable. <laughs> it, it was a comfortable way back into back into it for for myself. Yeah, for myself. And but that's a, such then, an Robert. That's such an important point, just for some of our listeners who who may you know not have been or have gone to confession in 10, 15, 20 years. It's never too late to go back. It's such a beautiful sacrament, and and we say that to our kids too as well, don't mm-hmm. we? In class, Robert, we say. You know why uh, that he wouldn't, you know, I haven't been to confession in 10 years. Great. Father wants to see you. You're the perfect candidate. He wants to hear your confession and don't worry about it. He's heard worse. Don't worry. But what yeah. are you going to say? Yeah. yeah. And when you go in and you say that, you know, it's been 20 years since my last confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first things out of father's mouth, the first words out of his mouth mm-hmm. should be welcome back. And let's just take our time. Absolutely. And it's not yelling and screaming, where have you been? So don't ever yeah. fear that. Well, welcome, welcome back. Welcome home. What's on your heart? And yeah. and I've heard people share stories like that as well. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. That's really nice. Yep. And God has to, to bring you home to the right confessor. Speaking about really beautiful, I think the last thing you were going to talk about is my singing. Were you not, Robert? Sure. 
Sure. I've, you, I've, you, I've been beside you at mass. You know what? If we got to talk about that. We got to get the hymn books back. Cause I'm trying to sing, trying being the operative word. And I don't have the words. I mean, you don't have hymn books in your parish yet? No, we don't have the hymn books back. We, we've got two separate hymn books. We've had oh. hymn books back for, I don't know, ever since they were allowed back. Okay, why, why are we don't have hymn books back? I've got to talk to Father and get the hymn books back. But you came across a really great article um, that spoke to me. <laughs> well, I just saw the title and it, it, I thought of you right away. From the you National know. Catholic Register? Yeah, let's talk about bad singing in church. And Let's talk about, yeah. Like, like that's I said, literally I, the article. <laughs> I, I, I've been bes- I've been beside you at a mass. Um, yeah, have you ever heard me sing? I don't think I've heard you sing. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. But I've the, been I've, know, I've been told not to sing. So I've been told that too. My 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 son was maybe six or seven years old, and we were at mass, and I don't know where. We maybe it was the offertory hymn or I'm not sure when it was, and he just kind of gave me a poke, and he said, Dad, don't sing anymore. Oh, no. Yeah, but that could be just your six- or seven-year-old son saying that. I No, I've had other people say it as well. Yeah, I've had a lot of people say that, although I did have one choir director. She was actually in the pew, and she turned around and said, oh, it's nice to hear, you know, uh, a man singing with that type of voice and stuff. And so I don't know if that was a compliment or an insult, but I took it as a compliment. How desperate were they for the, the choir? But... It, you know and, what? and i'm this, sorry but like I, I, I'll no but this is my... such a good article robert because it makes me think that i'm not going to stop singing you know whenever i thought that <laughs> i don't know if this oh. was the intention when you gave me this article but i thought to myself i'm still going to sing because i enjoy singing and i had never i you know when when the kids were young and we were a mass i never sang but it's only in the last five ten years i thought you know what I, there's four or five songs in mass i'm going to sing mm-hmm. i'm going to try to sing so now I try to sing. I try to project my voice, but I'm not having much luck. But the article was so good because it talks about people like me who know I don't have a hearing problem, although <laughs> it does mention that, Robert, which I thought really interesting. Well, I, I was just going to come up with a, a brief confession before you kind of get into to the article. Like I said, I gave you the article because I read the the headline. Let's talk about bad singing. And I was just wanted to give you the gears. Yeah. But then when I, but then when I read the the article, I went, "Wow, yeah, this makes a lot of sense, doesn't it?" It it does. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, and they they hit on a, a number of great points, like you just said right off the top. And and you know their main point is recognize what is important to God. Right. What is important to God? Your intention of the intention of, it. Uh, of singing prayerfully. Or are you going to be on the next, you know, America's Got Talent or Canadian <laughs> Idol? Okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. What, whatever the reality show is uh, this week. Yeah, exactly. But you just hit on a, on a good thing. You, you said that, you know, this is not an excuse for your bad singing. Mm-hmm, like you, exactly. You, you don't have a hearing problem. I don't. I, I can't. I never was able to hear pitch or hit an octave or I just, a lot of people said throughout, you know, there was one person who's saying at my mass, he's actually a tenor and a uh, beautiful voice. And he says, you, you just, you can't, you just can't sing. You can't do it. So I don't know if I'm not listening to things properly, but I'm trying, but I was always singing from my mouth, but you're supposed to be singing from below. Correct. From, from deep. Oh, below. You're, you are asking the wrong 
guy. Well, you, um, your article got into pitches and octaves, no. and I'm like, they're losing me now with all this stuff. And I, I'm thinking, but I heard anybody can be taught to sing. Do you believe that statement? Anyone can be taught music because music is like a language and it's mathematical. So anyone can learn music. I, I took about, music through high school. I yeah, think no, I even about, won a music award one year, okay. which bores wow. a lot of people. Being able to sing, though. I think anybody can be taught to sing, no? To a certain point. I think to, to a certain point. Um, so like you, you were saying, just having that hearing problem, not being able to, to hear properly. But yeah, that lack of musical know-how. So, right. so why, so that's this, your son, six, seven. So this is over 10 years ago when, when Michael mentioned yeah. to you that you, you know, you shouldn't sing now. Is that the reason you stopped or do you just, did you just find that's, that? You yeah, know, that, that, singer, that, that, well, he, he wasn't the only one. Okay. That mentioned your this. wife. Not she's, pre, she's pretty gentle with letting mm-hmm. me know that I can't sing. Uh, my mom who's not as gentle. Sometimes okay. With that okay. kind of stuff. Um, I just kind of realized a good friend of mine who's actually a choir director. Um, his comment was that Robert can't carry a tune in a bucket. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Um, so you're as bad as me. Yeah. Or probably mm-hmm. worse. Wow. And and it's not for lack of know-how. Like I said, I took music through high school. Mm. I can read music. I can understand the notion of pitch and tone and octaves so it comes down to that there was just one final point in the article and i thought yeah that's maybe yeah god did not give me the gift of voice Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he gave me the gift to ramble Mm -hmm. and you don't have a hearing problem i mean you've never Uh, you've never said to me hey or you know repeat uh, yourself you know i do have difficulty hearing students in the classroom sometimes Mm. And I don't know if it's just because That's of the tone of their voice or they're masked or they're conscientious. They're masked and they're speaking a different language. A different language that they're not comfortable they're, in. They're not comfortable, so they're a little bit quieter. I get that, yep. But there's also, too, sometimes um, my wife, I don't know if it's the tone of her voice, but there's just sometimes I really have a hard time picking up what it is that she she said. But your wife is not a, a loud speaker by any means. She's a quiet speaker correct so you'll back me up on that absolutely 100 thank you but you know what they say robert he who sings prays twice or he who sings well prays twice which i didn't know was well and, and, and in the article it says whoever slipped that well in there was you know not, not being very charitable no but true right. though but not charitable <laughs> you know so yeah he who sings pray, prays twice now speaking of singing and coming back we mentioned the liturgy guys earlier just before we kind of get to the end of this little segment um yes in in this season of the liturgy guys podcast they've been going through the different parts of the mass and so they dedicate about 45 minutes a week to um sometimes just one line of the mass or one line of the general instruction of the roman missal and in one of the episodes and they mentioned it briefly again recently they talk about singing in the mass and there's Mm -hmm. i believe they said three different categories of singing some things that are supposed to be always sung Mm -hmm. some things that should be sung and some things that are optional Mm -hmm. to be sung and i found it really interesting when they said anything in the mass that is dialogue is supposed to be sung could be sung or is supposed to is supposed to be sung that is the highest category that the dialogues so for example the beginning of mass 
when Father starts the Mass, he mm. should be singing, The Lord be with you. And also with you. Hey, we're pretty good. No, yeah. The thing is, is you're like one missile ago. <laughs> one it's missile. not an also with you. Yeah, that's right. And with mm. your spirit. 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 But that maybe says how often we do sing those replies at mass. If you're going back to the, you know, the one from 10 years ago. Good point. Because we don't sing them at mass. No. Right? But you know what? When, we do, when the priest does sing a few things at mass, it's, it's kind of beautiful. I'm surprised how many priests can actually carry those notes. You don't, mm-hmm. they don't sing a lot. Well, except maybe your priest who's, who seems to, you know, he does sing a lot. But, but uh, he he does, but not the parts of the mass. No, Whereas not the parts before, of the mass. Right. When I was at St. Leo's in Brooklyn, Father Forget, who had perfect pitch, would sing those dialogues. So at the end of the gospel, he would sing you know, the gospel of the Lord, and we would all sing back your praise to you, Lord Jesus. Christ. Hmm. Right, so that 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 dialogue was always sung, but not all the dialogue, though, Robert. Pretty much for his mass. Right, so the the entrance to the to the gospel, um, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Saint Dennis, mm-hmm. and glory to you, O Lord. Oh, Lord. It, and so, like even my part as a lector at the end of the reading should be sung. The word of the Lord. I don't think I'd mind that, Robert. Neither would I, and I would need a little bit of help and training to make sure I hit the proper pitch on that. And it's easy enough to do it here in the basement recording the podcast with you and one microphone. It's a completely different story in front of a congregation. Yeah. Can we say Father Forget instead of Father Forget? It just seems so Father Forget (laughs) since we we brought him up when he was in the confessional. Father Charles. Yeah, Father Father Charles, yeah. Good priest, good man. So, um, uh, but then the parts of the mass should be should be sung, and the parts that are the the, the songs that are optional, right, are your entrance hymn, your offertory hymn, and your recessional. So, kind of the in your communion hymn, th- those are optional, but those are usually the first things that are sung. What do you mean they're optional? I don't quite get that. Meaning that when you look at the rubrics of the mass, right. It doesn't have to. That you can enter in silence. You can leave in silence. The offertory can be done in silence. Communion oh. can be done in silence. I did not know you that. You do not need to have a hymn. It's not obligatory to have a it's hymn. It's not obligatory. Well, what I liked about that, and I don't know if it was those guys, the liturgy guys, or I was just reading, is that it shouldn't be, the focus shouldn't be the song. So if the priest gets up in the you know, processional, up in the first verse or second verse, then we, you know, you stop the music. You don't do four or five verses. You stop the music and then you start the mass. I thought that was interesting. I don't know if it was those guys or I was reading an article on that, whereas the song doesn't overtake the mass, which in some parishes, some, with some musicians, it often does, Robert, which drives me bonkers. But anyhow, that's for another show. 100%. Yeah, yeah just a quick comment on that. We'll, we'll end that, yep. that part. Um, somewhere along the line, and maybe it was my choir director friend mentioned to me one time, um, if it's a quick processional, you shouldn't do just one verse either. They said you should do three verses for the Trinity. Mm, okay. Right. 
makes sense. Yeah. Right? Uh, again, uh, I don't have a degree in liturgical music or, mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but this was coming from a choir director friend. Uh, coming back like to that. your point, your point of saying the music shouldn't take over. Uh, how often after the recessional does the congregation break out in applause? Right. Not in a long time in my parish. Thank yeah, yeah, and I think it, it did, did. Yeah, and um, that takes a pastor coming in and saying, mm-hmm. "We do not do that." Yeah, and uh, Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict the Sixteenth, uh, in his book, "The Spirit of the Liturgy," mm-hmm. says, "Once we start incorporating applause into mass, it becomes a human spectacle as opposed to yeah. a sacred mystery." I think. And, I just remember being at, at one parish we were visiting the one time and after the recessional, it was one of those folk bands. And so the recessional goes and everyone starts clapping after the recessional. And one musician turns to another, look, another standing ovation this week. <laughs> you know what? As you mentioned, we were one, I, I, you know, I, we both don't like that. And, and obviously why are you applauding for that? And you made a good point, I think, on the previous show. You know, are they applauding for you as the lector? Exactly. That was a great first reading, Robert. No, exactly. Not. And, no, I, and the I, musicians I, do a fantastic job. And Mass is, you know, beautiful with them in it. But, yeah, the applause can be. You know, when was the applause. last time you, you gave applause for the homily? Yeah. Exactly. Or the, the collection. Did you give applause for the collection? I mean, you passed that basket really well. Um no, exactly. It's it's there as a ministry to give right. glory to God and to, to help with worship. It's not a concert. No, it's not. So maybe I have to start singing again. I think so. You know what? You sang a little bit there, and it was pretty good. I have to say, Robert, so I think I would like to hear you at Mass. I think we have a Mass coming up, do we not? Next week school at mass? school. Yeah. Next week at school. So yeah, get so- me the microphone and away we go. Whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't say anything about a microphone. We just said, <laughs> just start singing, but we're not giving you a microphone yet, unfortunately, Robert. So, Dennis, buddy, we're almost at the end here. And I just want, before we finish here, I wanted to, to give a quick shout out. If you, yes, if you, you had a mind. great shout out with uh, an old friend of yours, Robert, someone who I've met a couple of times who I really enjoy talking to when I when I do bump into him. Yeah, and that's Deacon Pedro of the, the Salt and Light Media. So he's a producer with Salt and Light Television, and he's got a great little podcast, The Salt and Light Hour, you know, available wherever you find your fine podcast. Uh, it also is on Sirius XM Radio, the Catholic channel, uh, on the weekends, I believe, Saturday at 3 in the afternoon and Sundays at noon. Right, which you'll probably be able to hear by the time this comes out. You'll be going into the archives for that one, correct? For correct. So yeah, that's the reason why I wanted to give the shout out. So uh, I was invited, Deacon Pedro was uh, kind enough to invite me to come on the Salt and Light Hour to talk about my most recent book. And so that will be coming out this coming weekend, which is Pentecost weekend. Good. Excellent. Uh, But again, like you just mentioned, by the time we manage to get this episode of the Pines and Pews Mm -hmm. out, we'll probably be in the archives. So yeah, look, look them up. Uh, the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. Deacon um, Pedro. Like you and said, how long gr- were you on for, Robert? Ten minutes. I can't believe you, he cut you down to ten minutes. That's impossible for you not to ramble a little bit longer than that. How did, well, what's, the, what's the magic that he used for that? He, he just kind of started saying, yeah, well, thank you very much. <laughs> I was like, I was halfway through a word. Thank you for joining us, Robert. And 
But he said you didn't ramble. You said at the beginning of the show today that you didn't ramble with him. He says he's had worse. Correct? He said he's had worse, which is <laughs> right. So that's that's okay. Uh, I knew going in, I only had ten minutes, so I had okay. to be succinct. That's um, but like you said, he's a great gentleman to talk with. Uh, he's agreed to come and join us eventually Excellent. Uh, here on the Pints and Pews podcast. Oh, what a great! He'll be a great guest. I can't be- wait for that. Yeah, Mind you, you've probably booked our guests up for the next six months, so we probably won't be seeing him to next 2023, I would imagine. We're we're booked up through 2029. Oh, so. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I know. Uh, but no, he, he'll come on probably in the fall because right now he's a little bit busy. He's uh, on the uh, panel that is putting together the Papal visit when Pope oh, Francis wow. comes to Canada uh, in late July. I think in and around exciting. the Feast of St. Anne. Um, that's right remind me where uh, pope francis is going to be visiting i, think I know he's, he's not coming, coming to, to toronto no he's not i think it's quebec and then alberta and i believe up north somewhere none of it i believe somewhere along that it's only a three-day visit but i don't think he can get out very much like he can't take helicopter rides he's very limited in his mobility i think it's a beautiful thing that he's coming and i think we're blessed to have him come to canada um but yeah he says very short visit and i can't believe that's very cool that deacon pedro's on that yeah, so I'm I'm Committee. really looking forward to hearing all about his experience. Oh, great! Yeah, we'll that, hear that. that of course, yes. Right? So we have that, him on. That'll be fantastic. Okay, Robert, excellent. But Dennis, as always, the time seems to have flown by, and my hourglass here is pretty much empty. Mine is empty, Robert, and it's always a pleasure, both the pint and the conversation. No, especially the pint. Now, uh, like you said, your pint is just about. Did we win you over no, to the IPAs? Empty. You know what, I. I I could use it. I could drink another IPA now. Wouldn't be over as a strong term, but I, I'm, I enjoyed that. Yes, I did. I, I would prefer the Belgium Trappist monastery type beers, but I, I enjoyed that uh, IPA for sure. Yeah, and that so, once again was the life in the clouds, life in the clouds from the, the, the craft uh, artist brewery or something right from the uh, collective arts brewing limited Excellent. life in the clouds. Where were we again, Robert? but always it's always a pleasure to talk about our catholic faith as well very true very true and just before we wrap up perhaps there's just one small favor we could ask of our listeners if you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the pints and pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review and while you're at it give us a like on facebook and drop us a line there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com we always enjoy hearing from our listeners Good chat again soon, my friend. God willing. And until then, Dennis, can you remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton? In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless.